Pope of Greenwich Village is probably your first starring role, correct? Not an ensemble. Yeah, right? and it happens to be my favorite movie that I've ever made. Now, why? How can you say that? I think because Eric Roberts is probably him and him, De Niro, and Chris Walken, the best three actors I've ever worked with. Right. And Eric was on fire at the time. He'd just come off King of the Gypsies, and, and he was the hottest actor yeah. in the, on the planet. Yeah. And it's, it, I, to me, it's a shame that he doesn't work more now. Right. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. He's the greatest fucking actor. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. 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 Eric Roberts is a fucking man. All things must pass. It's the final episode of Eric Roberts is the fucking man, the world's only Eric Roberts related podcast. I'm Doug Tilly and joining me as usual is the peace bringer. Liam O'Donnell. How are you doing today, Liam? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm doing great. Liam, it's been a very long time since we released an episode of eric roberts is the fucking man it has been a while and i've you know i've missed you you've become like a very comforting rash to me and i feel like without you in my life you know and and since this is the only place we have any actual contact mm-hmm, i mm-hmm. i you know i just have been without you around in any way shape or form i've grown accustomed to your face <laughs> <laughs> uh liam it the reason that it's been a bit of a break is Frankly, there's been a number of different reasons, but one of them is that uh, Liam and I have had to work out what the heck we're going to do next, and that decision was a little bit more difficult than I thought it was going to be, um, and a decision had been made, believe it or not, and then we reevaluated and decided, you know what, it just wasn't the right fit for us, and we decided to go in a different direction, and I have to say, Liam, having gone through that process, that creative process with you, I feel better about what's to come than I ever did before. Oh, I appreciate that, Doug. I, I have to agree as well. Um, not all of it was creative. Some of it was just frustrating. Um, but sure. I think that's true of any creative process, that sometimes you just can't do what you want to do, or it turns into a bad idea for various sociopolitical reasons. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, then, and then sometimes what happens is you have so many good ideas that it doesn't make sense to edit them all out and just leave them behind. So uh, I'm really excited for people to hear about what's next. Uh, but in the meantime, we still have like something to talk about, right? Like, aren't we doing something here? I'm, I, I forget. Well, I mean, we are doing a show. Oh, you wanted me to tell you to shut up, Liam. Liam. Yes. I'm not going to tell you to shut up on our last uh... episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. And yes, by the <laughs> way, listeners, this is the last episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. And some of you are pointing at your radio or Bluetooth device, or perhaps while you're driving around, you're just pointing randomly. And you're saying, Doug, Liam, you made a blood oath to cover the life and work of actor Eric Roberts. Uh, you're being very, uh, 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 you're, you're, you're skirting your duties here by, you're, you're jumping out of the plane, D.B. Cooper style. You're avoiding all your responsibilities. And I say to you, tut tut, keep listening, dear listener, because Liam and I had found what we consider to be a very intelligent, very crafty out of our blood oath, 
or is it? Liam, I'm, I'm laying a little bit of groundwork because the announcement of what is to come next is going to come at the end of today's episode. I know most people probably only last the first 15 minutes of the show, um, which is understandable because too much of Doug makes me want to jump out a window. But for this episode, you have to stay to the end to find out what's going to happen. It's 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 not a cliffhanger, really. It's a... Uh, uh, I don't know what the term is for a thing you actually enjoy and want to stay for the end of. What what is that called? Oh boy, Liam, you're putting me on the spot. But I will. <laughs> I, I do. I mean, of course, our listeners have the uh, choice to jump ahead to the end to find out for themselves right now. They can even come back to this moment afterwards, and there's nothing we can really do about it. But this episode is going to build. It's like a um, a, a four course meal, Liam. You know, it starts. This is the appetizer, but you don't want to jump ahead to dessert. No, you want to stay and enjoy it in sequence, I think. I mean, I don't really have dessert, so you lost me. Because of your diabetes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, if you have a Eric Roberts is the fucking man bingo card, we're going to try to make sure that you get every spot before <laughs> this episode is over. Oh, no. <laughs> Liam. Yes? How is your young daughter doing? Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Oh man! Well, tonight was uh, tonight was rough. Tonight was rough, mm-hmm. Doug. Sometimes two and a half year olds just don't want to do anything you want them to do, and they they lose their they lose their shit about that. Mm-hmm. Tell me more. No, I won't. <laughs> Tell me a little bit more. <laughs> okay. Well, tonight it was. Um, she didn't want to pick out pajamas, so Sue's had to go pick out her pajamas. Shut up, Liam. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it brings a tear to my eye. Uh, the potential last shut up, Liam, for the Eric Roberts is the fucking man podcast. And what's even worse, Liam, I have no reason to tell you to shut up because we are guestless on this final episode. For those who came in expecting that we would have a lot of celebrities drop in, no, that's not how this show works. And also, a lot of them turn me down. <laughs> that's not how. That's not how this show works. We're here to uh, put this uh, this this thing. We call Eric Roberts is the fucking man to bed with as much class and style as possible. And what better way to get to that than with the latest installment of The Roberts Report. It's The Roberts Report for episode number 100 of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. And as per usual, we start with a deep dive on the man himself's Twitter feed. You can follow Eric Roberts on Twitter, at Eric Roberts, all one word. And I think you should. Eric Roberts, a very active Twitterer on social media. Just recently, on August 31st, Eric was tweeting about the death of Valerie Harper. Uh, He was actually responding to Edna Ed Asner's tweet. He mentioned a beautiful woman, a wonderful actress, a great friend, and with balls bigger than mine. Her brilliance burst through and shined its light upon all of us. Good night, beautiful. I'll see you soon. And Eric Roberts added to that, so glad we had a chance to tell her we loved her when she was here. Uh, For those who don't know, Eric uh, actually worked with uh, Valerie Harper on Less Than Perfect. Uh, He was on a couple of episodes with her back then. Uh, Liam, your thoughts on the death of Valerie Harper? Uh, Don't really know anything about her, Doug. I'll be honest. Mm. Well, not a big Rhoda fan? Actually, Liam, that brings us to a good topic of conversation. Oh, no. Sitcoms. I know we've talked about sitcoms before, and Eric Roberts is the fucking man. A long sure. time ago. Sure. Uh, and you, I believe if I remember correctly, you don't have a lot of time for sitcoms. Um, I, I watch, well, so uh, 
a few years ago, I think we had this conversation actually. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I was trying to watch more movies than sitcoms. Of course. Right now, I'm still not watching a lot of sitcoms, but oh, I'm I know watching what you're bring up. more than I was before because uh, we don't have as much time for movies. So, oh. yeah, so I do the Brooklyn Nine Nine. Uh, uh, what else is considered a sitcom? I get. Well, this is my 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 question to you too. Is a sitcom mm. just the traditional? like studio audience, John, or is something like Dairy Girls a sitcom? See, I think it, you can expand the definition. Uh, yeah. it, I think I think a lot of ways, any half-hour uh, comedically-themed show... I mean, I, I, you're right, though. There's, that, there's a lot of exceptions to that. Because I've been watching Detroiters recently, and I would consider that a sitcom, even though it doesn't fit like that traditional All in the Family style, you know, however many cameras well, set up. Well, and with, with prestige cable TV, you've got all these dramedies... Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, it would be hard to to say that Black Monday is a comedy in a traditional sense, but it is very funny. So, you know, or um, I haven't watched it, but like a show like Succession, is that a comedy, a traditional? You know what I mean? Right now we're watching The, the Righteous Gemstones, and that show is great. But right. I, and it's definitely funny, but... I don't know that you could say it was a sitcom. You know what I'm saying? So I think I think that idea that sit is short for situation, you know, mm. like what does that mean for the, the plot structure? Um, but growing up, you know, I watched The Simpsons and I watched Night Court and I watched uh, reruns of Hogan's Heroes. But like all, <laughs> the three classics, <laughs> but but all the like big sitcoms, you know, I didn't watch Friends. I didn't like it then. I don't like it now. Uh, I watched a little bit of Frasier and a little bit of Cheers, but not like enough that I'm obsessed with either. What about Seinfeld? So Seinfeld, mm-hmm. anyone from the Philadelphia area who's around my age will let you know that Seinfeld was on just before Simpsons when it comes to syndication. So I didn't, sure. so I didn't watch Seinfeld in its first go, right. but I watched it pretty faithfully in syndication. Uh, that being said, if they're like, I don't even know if it is, but if Seinfeld's on Netflix right now, I'm not going back to it. like I I found it funny at the time, but attempting to rewatch it now, I can't get into it. I don't know what it Interesting. is. Interesting. Yeah, well, I mean, then... I, I don't say that to judge people who love it. If you love it, you love it. But for whatever reason, I have trouble connecting with it the way I did when I was like 15. I it, I do think that's kind of a unique reaction to it, if only because I think people a lot of people dislike it entirely. They just don't enjoy Seinfeld at all. But the people who really like it tend to like it to the extent that they can watch it over and over again, uh, which is why something like uh, Notoriously Hulu shelled out a huge amount of money to get the rights because uh, it's the kind of show like The Office on Netflix that people just watch again and again and again. I, I think I'm just one of those people. I You know, there's a lot of respect people have for, for folks who can say, I've always liked this. I've liked this forever. I think this is probably more true in music than it is in, in movies. But, like, if you liked Ska when you were 12 and now you like it as a 38-year-old, that's, like, a sign of consistency. And uh, there's very few things I actually feel that way about. And the, oh. one, the ones that I feel that way about – I really, really love. So, like, I've liked John Carpenter for a long time, even before I knew his name. I liked a lot of his movies. I mean, Ska is an example for you. No, yeah, I hate it. Yeah, uh, no, you much. love it. You love no, Ska. It defines it you to the ground. Um, but, but, oh boy. but, but, but now I feel bad about the "Pick It Up, Pick It Up" the history of Ska podcast we're about to launch together. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's already the name of a movie. We couldn't have done that name. That's oh. t- yeah. 
Is uh, that movie about ska? Sorry, I'm, oh, yes. maybe I don't know enough. I was hoping that you would teach me about it. Oh my god. The point mm-hmm. the point being is that um, something like Seinfeld can go in the same boat as say uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation or uh, the Highlander TV series. Things that I watched quite faithfully that now as an adult I have trouble understanding why I watched it so much. Interesting. Especially yeah. because Star Trek The Next Generation is still something I return to a lot. Not a, not as good as Deep Space Nine, certainly, Liam. I watched Deep Space Nine a lot, too. And if you ask me right now, after having watched hours and hours and hours of those shows, okay, explain to me, beyond just the basic characters, explain to me the, the main thematic and narrative differences, I'd say, I don't know, I don't remember. Maybe. It's time to revisit them, Liam, with all this extra time you have. No, I'm good. I'm real Liam! Good. Do you enjoy swimming? Uh, yes, I do. When you go swimming and you see little bugs, little critters all over the pool, do you feel a little bad that they can't get out of the pool? Do you sometimes help them get out of the pool, go onto the edge of the pool? Uh, I mean, so far I've only ever seen bugs, so no. What, what do you mean, bugs? Like, uh, just bugs, various bugs. I don't know what they are. Yeah, but bugs, that's what we're talking about, little creepy crawly bugs. No, gross, not into it. What, you don't like bugs? Yeah. Well, some people do like bugs, and some people own pools and like bugs. And for them, there's a device called the frog log, which is uh, it helps trapped critters get out of pools. It's a little thing that floats around your pool, Liam. The critters can get onto it and climb out of the pool. That actually sounds like a cool thing, I guess. Yeah, well, not for you, because it'll collect the critters into one little thing, uh, like a little spot. And because you hate them so much, it, 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 it would make you feel very uncomfortable to go near that part of your pool. I mean, it sounds kind of gross, but I, I'm sure I would survive. Well, back on August 11th, one person did voice their love for this product, and it was Eric Roberts, who tweeted, We have one, and it helps the bees. I mean, that's good. I, I am I am worried about bees, so. Are we supposed to still be worried about the bees? I heard the bees are doing just fine, Liam. I don't know. I can't keep up. I think bees are great. How much honey do you use, Liam, on a on a regular basis? Uh, not as much anymore because um of the diabetes. You know, mm. it's just straight sugar. You know, right? But you know what's good about honey? What? It lasts forever, Liam. You can you can take it from ancient Egypt, and you can still uh, dip your chicken nuggets in it today. Is that what you're stoked on? That that's what gets you off is ancient Egypt honey. Well, hey, look, that's some good honey, probably, right? Um, but what's great about it is because, what, look, the world is, let, let's face it, the world is going to end probably, what, in the next 10 years, 15 years? Um, and we're going to need things that will last. And one of the things that are best at lasting are honey, but unfortunately, we destroyed the honey makers. All those poor bees. Well, Eric Roberts has it in mind. He's saving his bees with the help of the frog loglium. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a, I think this is a nice sentiment to end our look at Eric Roberts' Twitter feed on Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. Back on August 9th, Eric posted a uh, lyrics uh, video of John Lennon's Imagine, and he tweeted, We've drifted, imagining the wrong things. We need to get back to kindness, hashtag kindness. Or if we never were there, we need to go there. Now, Liam, that's something I... I Obviously, we have a lot of fun with Eric Roberts' Twitter feed on this uh, on this podcast, but I think that's a very sincere sentiment, and I think it speaks to uh, a feeling that a lot of us have now, that we are drifting a little, and we need to get back to some maybe more base 
uh, uh, emotional connections with people, and that kindness is very important. What do you think of that tweet? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I kind of don't care, but sure. You don't care about what? Um, I'm, I don't, I very much think that kindness is a good thing. Mm, I, I'm not con- brave. <laughs> I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced that kindness is going to solve the problems we have right now. What are the problems that we have right now? Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Well, I watched a, 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 an episode of, uh, uh, Patriot Act that talked about all the problems you have in Canada right now. Yeah, we were going to watch that, but unfortunately, I had to record a podcast about Eric Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty good. Um, but guess uh, what, Liam? Yeah, I'm really, really aware of the problems that go on in Canada, and re- especially regarding our politics here in Canada. Mm-hmm. But guess who were not until they watched that Patriot Act episode? You. Yeah, I had no idea. <laughs> well, that's not, that's not actually true. The main thing about the corruption scandal, I knew all about that. Mm. But the show's about more than that. It kind of shows a number of ways that Trudeau might not be completely um, delivering Good. on his various Decent. promises. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the way that uh, uh, Hassan puts it is that um, compared to the U.S., Canada's like some sort of like uh, progressive Shagra law. So if y'all don't follow through on your stuff, there's no hope for us. <laughs> so you got to get your act together or else we're all screwed. Sounds like we need to get our Patriot Act together. Oh, stop it. Stop. Liam, uh, there was a little, there was a, a man a long time ago. He had kind of shaggy hair. Then he came to us with a message of kindness, Liam. Um, and I feel like this man, John Lennon, is someone that we, uh, we didn't listen to, and then we murdered him. Uh, we killed him. Mark David Chapman killed him. Uh, he read Catcher in the Rye. This is about as much as I know about the history of the United States of America. <laughs> oh, my God. Is it time to Nothing to yet? kill or die for and no religion, too. Said by John Lennon. Mm-hmm. What do you think? What do you think about John Lennon? Not a big fan. Yeah. He abused his wife. Yeah. He, and he's I mean, kind of terrible to almost all the people he was in relationships to yeah yeah that's he doesn't actually seem that great to me but you know whatever i mean i i also think that the people for whom they want to be like also the beatles suck it's just kind of like okay okay okay, guy all right edgy all right edgy mcedge lord like i just think you know i i don't get me wrong i don't i don't listen to a lot of the beatles but I, i i i'm not inspired to uh find folks and let them know that i think one of the most influential groups in the history of you know a certain kind of music are actually bad i know everyone thinks they're good but guess what they're actually bad they're as bad as citizen kane <laughs> i get exactly what you're saying and i'm saying this as uh, a full-fledged Beatlehead. i'm a huge fan of the beatles uh and i've listened to a shockingly large amount of like Beatles bootlegs and all that sort of thing. I'm just I'm really into them, Liam. But I, I, I get still... it. I get it. But the Kinks are right there. They're just right there. I, waiting guess for you. what, Liam? <laughs> guess what, Liam? Yeah, Liam. Yeah. Uh, you can listen to and love the Beatles, and you can listen to and love the Kinks. And I, uh, I mean, you could also eat white bread and rye bread and wheat bread, but I only need wheat bread. I only need think, the one. I think you think the Kinks are the wheat bread. Yeah, dog. I love the Kinks. I love them. They're coming back. New music from the Kinks. The Davies brothers are back together. This is the kind of content people come to Eric. <laughs> hey, you cho- you chose this this winding garden path for us to go down. I didn't choose this life. It's a life that chose me, Liam. <laughs>
But thankfully, this is episode number 100. And the final episode of Eric Roberts is the Fuggy Man. Thank you for joining us. Liam, this is exciting. <laughs> Eric Roberts and stepson Keaton Simons find 50 ways to face fears in Hawaii. This is the big recent Eric Roberts news, Liam. Uh, so the show is called 50 Ways to Kill Your Mom or Dad, and I guess it airs on Vision TV. I know that's a Canadian station, Vision TV. I don't know if you have that in the States or not. But this is like a reality show where um, the like families, like uh, parents and children, they have adventures together. I guess the, the younger member kind of uh, challenges the older to do something crazy and unexpected, Liam. Seems kind of mean. In this case, Eric Roberts and his stepson, musician Keaton Simons, are venturing to Hawaii for a week-long thrill ride to strengthen their relationship. Because as we know from the notorious episode of Celebrity Rehab where Keaton um, uh, talked directly to Eric, they had a tumultuous relationship when he was younger. Uh, but didn't they exaggerate that for the show? <laughs> well, that was our theory, Liam. We don't know that for sure. Though we did suspect it simply because it seems about three quarters of Eric's Twitter feed is about how great Keaton Simons is. Yeah, I mean, Eric sort of suggested that a lot of the trauma on that show was constructed. He did suggest that when he was on stage with us live in Chicago, Illinois. Yeah. Remember with their that? careers in show business, both Eric and Keaton lead busy lives and rarely get to spend quality time together. After having a falling out when Keaton was a teenager, huh? they've only recently begun to rebuild their relationship. Now they're closer than they've ever been, and this week brings the perfect opportunity to solidify their bond and make some lasting memories. Cool. I think they go uh, surfing in Hawaii, Liam. Um, okay, I mean, you know, I guess that's one way to kill your dad. Now, Liam, we all know that the most punk activity is skateboarding. Where are you going with this? I'm just, I, I first I want some agreement before I move on. <laughs> okay, if that's what you want, then you got Okay, it. how about, I'm going to simplify it for you. In terms of transportation, the most punk mode of transportation is skateboards. Sure, whatever. Okay, but surfboards is that... Right at that level, is if that's a ten skateboards, would would surfing a surfboard be number nine, or does it go further down because of its connection with California surfer dude culture? Well, surfing existed before punks, and certainly, I, and I think mm -hmm. for a long time uh, in in the eighties, you know, being a surf dude and being a punk were not, you know, they were two different sort of camps, you know, like right. you would go, be in one and not the other. Uh, and technically, if you're looking at California, skateboarding actually predates punk. That there yeah, are, of course. They were hippie skaters. But I, I will say that eventually there were surf punks as well, though I think that really is just a California thing. Um, and and to be fair, the, 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 the combination of surf culture and punk culture tended to still have some very chill vibes mm. that would be difficult to recognize on the east coast that, is it like the that famous punk band sublime <sighs> mm -hmm. <laughs> they seem to have kind of a surfer vibe what's the, what's next on the list here what's next? <laughs> some big news liam yeah may whitman from good girls and eric roberts will guest star during season two of the showtime dramedy series kidding Ooh, i hear that's series good I haven't watched it yet, but that's the one uh, that uh, features one Jim Carrey in the cast. 
Yeah, he's like it's good. From what I understand, he's you know this is sort of his sweet spot right now of like the show is funny, but he's not being funny all the time. It's he's actually quite sad and weird. Yeah, I mean, I have to say, I've been very curious about it. I've heard good things, but not the sort of level of good things where it's kind of pushed me towards it. You know what I mean? I guess it's because TV is so good right now, so it's hard to know what is worth my focus at any particular time. I feel like Showtime shows also don't get as much heat. Uh, You know what? I think you're absolutely correct about that. And I, I should watch it, you know, because six of the episodes of the first season were directed by Michelle Gondry, who, Liam, you might not know this, Michelle Gondry once drew a picture of me. I certainly did not know that. Did he then use it in one of his weirdo movies? No, though he did do it for some sort of weird creative purpose where you could pay him money and then he would... Uh, he would take a photo and draw it by hand, and I have it on my wall here in my apartment. A picture of me by Michelle Gondry. Have you tried to sell it? No, though that's a great idea. The, the, unfortunately, I was under the impression that Michelle Gondry, who of course was a prolific and uh, very interesting music video director, he then transitioned into feature films, and I still think that he has a very interesting visual style. He made a movie, uh, it was called, um, what was it called, Liam? It was. It had Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet in it. Uh, uh, something of the spotless mind. Eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. Great yeah. movie, I think. Yeah. Uh, and then he kind of fizzled out. He had a little trouble making mainstream movies. He made the Green Hornet, Liam. Uh, and and he just never really, I think, fulfilled his uh, potential. Be kind. Rewind is a great fucking movie. Hey, I'm not here to debate. We don't talk about movies on uh, here. Mood, mood Indigo is not a great movie, but it is mm. interesting. All right, so uh, how much more do you want to talk about Michel Gondry, a person who I wanted all of his movies to be great, but unfortunately they are of varying quality, so my picture I don't think is worth as much as I was hoping it would be worth. Imagine if I had a picture drawn by Martin Scorsese. Yeah, but I feel like, uh, I mean, yes, that would be worth something, but I I feel more inclined to think (laughs) that Michel Gondry probably drew a good picture. It's all right. It's pretty good. Maybe you don't know that. You don't know what kind of artistic skill. Just because Michel Gondry can do a Rubik's Cube with his feet doesn't mean that he can also draw me. Uh, I don't know. I feel pretty good that he could. Also, I like the science of sleep. Yes, that's I like the science of sleep, too. But you know what I also like? Dave Chappelle's block party. Mm, I do, but now I feel that Dave Chappelle's a little problematic. Yes, he is. I was trying to trick you. Go ahead. Canceled, I say. Go for it. What were you saying? But though I think you know what else is problematic? Cancel what? culture. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I can't wait to get canceled though. I'm like fingers crossed. Liam, I, I, I've got an uncancel card. From who? Uh, from God. No, get out of my face. Yeah, if you get canceled, I can uncancel you. Stop. All right, all right, Liam. We're just having a little fun here on the final episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. But recently added to the ever-expanding Eric Roberts IMDb page is 2020's Die for a Dollar from director Errol Sack, who uh, is an experienced actor, has actually a very lengthy IMDb page, who also directed a movie called Rusty Tulloch, which I think we mentioned on a previous episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. That movie also had Eric Roberts, and in fact, Die for a Dollar, Liam, is apparently a sequel to this movie. At least that's my interpretation. Here's the plot summary from IMDb. After killing his opponent in a boxing match, Rusty Tulloch quits fighting and hits the road. He becomes a trucker and avoids fighting, terrified of throwing another punch. 
Broke and facing eviction, Rusty is hired by his sexy neighbor to track down her husband's murderer. Now he must overcome his demons of the past if he's going to complete this perilous mission. Part of the Rusty Tulloch universe, Liam. Uh, this film stars Eric Roberts as the mysterious Mr. G. Also has Richard Tyson as Buddy. Uh, and Angie Stevenson as Double D. Liam, pretty risque name there in uh, in this movie. Oh, wow. That's uh, very subtle. I didn't even see it coming. What do you think, Liam? Uh, should we cover <laughs> Die for a Dollar on the Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man podcast? Uh, that's to be decided later. We can't. This is the last episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, number 100. Yeah, fair. So I guess we can't do it. It's a shame. Rusty, it'll be I really a mystery want to know. I really want to know what's going on with Double D. Look, if you, are a listener, are a fan of the Rusty Tulloch films, come and tell me on our various social medias, which we will announce at the end of the show. I really want to hear if these movies are worthwhile. Maybe uh, in my outside Eric Roberts is the fucking man life, I will encounter these movies, sit down and watch them, simply because you came and told me, listeners, I would like that. I like being told to watch things that are good, Liam. Or things that are bad. Speaking of things that are good or bad, on this episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, we're here to talk about a movie, uh, a movie that is part of a series that has been one of the things that has defined this podcast, Liam, which is why I thought it was apropos to cover it on number 100, our final episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. Tell me about this movie, Liam. It's uh, it's talking about my doctor, Sleepwalker's Nightmare from 2019. The fourth Stalked by the My Doctor movie? Fourth Stalked by My Doctor movie. Liam Stalked by My Doctor, a sleepwalker's nightmare. Uh, it, it It's interesting, Liam. We ha- we don't have a, to- a lot of time, you and I, just to chat about these things. And uh, specifically about this movie, I don't really know where you fall on it. We've had a lot of discussions about Stalked by My Doctor and the series as a whole. The, the, the directions we wanted it to go, the directions it didn't go. We're going to find out what you think and what I think of this movie right after this. Well, sir, we sent the evidence to the lab. They've come back with the results. It's confirmed. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. 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 Wanted for multiple crimes, Dr. Albert Beck assumes the identity of another doctor en route to a new job at a sleep clinic. He falls for his first patient, Shelly, who suffers from nocturnal sleep sex. (laughs) (laughs) What's that uh, condition actually called, Liam? Do you recall? No, I don't. Liam, uh, this uh, condition, it's known as sexsomnia, uh, and it's apparently an, an actual thing. Oh, it is a real thing? Yeah, apparently a real thing. Uh, And in the context of the movie, since Eric Roberts isn't actually uh, a a physician who would have knowledge about it, there's a part where he is talking to her, Shelley, and just reading from the Wikipedia page about it. (laughs) I actually thought that was fairly clever. But Liam, before we get into that, 
I want to mention the uh, there's something different about this installment of Stock by My Doctor. Do you know what it is, Liam? I don't. It has a different director. Uh-huh. Doug Campbell, the creator of the Stock by My Doctor series, is back as a writer, but uh, despite having directed the first three films, he's been replaced here by Jeff Hare, who directed Bitter Slash Sweet from 2009, Psycho-in-Law from the year 2017, Bad Tudor from 2018, and Nanny Killer from 2018. Uh, I think at least a few of those are TV movies, probably Lifetime movies as well. So he certainly has the pedigree. Uh, but uh, I will say that I, I sort of felt a difference when watching this. And maybe part of that was psychological because I knew it was a different director. But tonally, I feel like we're in slightly different territory than the last couple of movies, Liam. But before we get into that, I want to hear your thoughts. What did you think of Stock by My Doctor 4, A Sleepwalker's Nightmare? Well, when it first ended, I felt pretty good about it. I rated it three and a half stars on Letterboxd. I thought it was was pretty fun. I I had more fun with it than I think uh, part two, at least. Um, and was feeling kind of like, okay, you know, this is good, whatever. And then in the day since, I, I can't rem- it didn't stick with me. Like, that first talk by my doctor, I was thinking about him, you know, f- freaking out about the, in the restaurant or him sure. trying to rip apart the American Girl doll. There's just all these moments that were, like, super memorable. Uh, and in this one, there's one scene I'm sure we're going to discuss in the bathroom at the potential victim's house that is very memorable uh and then after that not so much and in fact some of the more ridiculous things kind of like that struck me as funny later on i was kind of like uh it's a little there's there's a so you know uh everyone knows that at this point who listens to the show i'm sure the basic plot of stop by my doctor you know it's uh, the, he he he's attracted to younger women who can't possibly love him. Right. And then every movie is just him working through various aspects of that. And, and so in some on. ways, he's less lovable now than he was in the first movie. Oh yeah. Now it's like all they need to know is who he really is, and it's all it's all over. So mm-hmm. in this film, he you know tries to assume the identity of this sleep doctor. He finds a uh he he he, he finds a woman who uh requires sex in her sleep apparently or becomes like sexually aggressive in her sleep uh which would by the way give him plenty of uh chances for uh illicit abuse and that's where at first it seems like he's going but then it turns out she has a younger is that her niece her niece yes she has a younger niece who also has a weird sleep thing which because they run in the family i guess and Rather than go for this obvious victim, he decides to go for the younger woman because what he doesn't actually want is uh, 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 that level of abuse. What he wants is love. He yes. wants love, Doug. Now, he we, doesn't we... want actual love. He wants this weird, sickly version of love that he's created in his mind. But but it's just so funny to me. Like here's a, He could literally just let this woman assault him and, and get a lot of what he's looking for but because this other young lady is so much younger that's what he needs he needs her to like affirm him in that way and then as the movie goes on he not only has his sassy hawaiian shirt uh persona who yells at him for doing stuff that persona by the way is now been officially referred to in the credits as laid back beck so he's dr albert beck he has a split personality he has a laid back version of himself called laid back beck 
laid back Beck, I think they really started to nail him a little bit more in this movie. Yeah. Uh, but then they introduced another side of him, his, like, bad side, I guess. And that was terrible. It was truly bad. And that, that whole section made me unhappy. I'm really disappointed that they introduced a third personality, but then had another actor play him. Well, um, I, I get logically why that made sense to them, but the logic of it doesn't justify the lack of more Eric Roberts talking to himself. Yeah, and but I mean, like that should have been the core thing, right? Get a third personality, just get like multiplicity with Eric Roberts happening. By the time you get to the next Stock by My Doctor movie, just keep adding the Eric Roberts in. It just, I mean, they they wanted to add a little mystery to this one. So this Nikki Bismarck character that appears several times. I mean, it's obvious when watching it that he is a figment of. Dr. Beck's imagination, but there still has to be a big reveal moment in the movie proper. Spoiler alert, by the way. <laughs> well, I think I think what it boils down to with this movie, the more I thought about it, was that um, you kind of pointed out that I, I felt like the uh, the films were starting to become a little bit of like parodies of themselves. Oh, most certainly, yes. Uh, this film manages to take itself a little bit more seriously in places, but the ways that it does it are kind of cornball to me. So, like adding in a mystery aspect. Mm. Um, adding in this extra layer of like will people figure out who he is like he just happens to assault the only doctor who doesn't have a facebook profile like at, <laughs> at, at this point like you know what i mean like even if someone doesn't have a facebook profile you could find pictures of them online like i i challenge people not to find a picture of themselves online like you have to work really hard to do that mm-hmm. so i just think that um the places where it attempts to be more serious don't really work that well uh whereas some of the f- more ridiculous things like the this film's freak out which again i'm sure we'll come back to uh those things were actually pretty good so it started to make me think that maybe my initial assessment wasn't an absolute you know that that well they need to get more serious well this movie tried to get a little more serious and the ways it got serious were stupid and the the ways that it doubled down on the stupid were actually pretty good um so i don't know I, I i don't know what the i don't know what would have made me happier on the other hand i, I even though i it didn't sit with me well over time i still was pretty entertained by it and i don't know that that was always true of part two and and, and i generally if my memory serves kind of liked part three a little bit more but uh i felt like this one was was in some ways more entertaining even if parts of it were kind of annoying I mean, I agree with a lot of that. Uh, it, I feel like this whole series has been searching for the same camp edge uh, uh, it, that exists in the first movie ever since that movie came out because I think in some ways it was lightning in a bottle, that it wasn't as intentional. And when those intentional elements started to get poured into, in particular part three, which had a full La La Land dance sequence uh, tribute in it, um, a fantasy sequence that took place, that is was absolutely ludicrous and may have gone too far in that kind of jokey direction. Like you said, Liam, this movie pulls things back. There are a couple of notable freakouts, which we'll get to in just a little bit, but it certainly... There isn't as much of Eric Roberts just screaming at people or texting, uh, pretending to be someone else and saying that you look like Frankenstein, that sort of thing. Though there is some texting. (laughs) I just want to elaborate for those who haven't seen this movie. So we have uh, the woman that Eric Roberts first tries to quote-unquote help. She's a little bit older, she has sexomnia. She uh, has a sleepwalking condition where she wants to have sex with whoever she encounters. And her niece, Katie, her condition involves doing uh, being, uh, I guess, very open to suggestion when she wakes up sleepwalking. 
So she'll basically do whatever you tell her to do, which is basically the ideal relationship for Dr. Albert Beck because he's basically a freaky incel at this point in the series. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's probably true of the first one, too. Right. But um, there's something unhinged about his character in the first one that now feels very put upon. Does yeah. that make sense? That, that there's something about the level of anger and insecurity in the first one that now has just become a little bit ridiculous, even though at times he can still kind of tap that, that craziness. It's, it, it's strange too, because since the character now has these split personalities, it would be a good opportunity to make at least one of those personalities a little more sympathetic, but they don't really, they can't really do that because of what he's done in the past. I mean, he starts this this movie proper by murdering a doctor, so there's not a lot of directions you can go. That from guy there. was mean, though. I was okay he, with that. He was mean. Uh, he was very mean, and when you're mean, by the way, if you're mean to servers at restaurants, you probably do deserve to be murdered. I'm not saying it for sure, but probably that's the case. I think that's fair. Yeah, it's fair. Liam, there's also one other cast member that uh, that is notable in this film. There's actually two cast members, but one of them that I think that you would uh, have noticed, which isn't a comment on you, Liam. I just l- look deeper into these things sometimes. Do you know who I'm referring to? Uh, one of the doctors is uh, the young lady from, well, she's no longer a young lady, but um, was the young lady in Sleepaway Camp. Felissa Rose. Uh, who? Uh, yeah, has I in. always forget her name. Appeared in many, many horror films at this point, but certainly is most well-known for her appearance in the original Sleepaway Camp. Uh, And here she plays another doctor named Pamela, who uh, meets an unfortunate end at the hands of Dr. Beck, who then tries to blame it on his sleepwalking patient, Liam. The thing with uh, these films is that uh, a lot of times the love interests or other people that he murders are not that endearing. Mm. Um, but I didn't have a problem with this doctor, so it was a little less satisfying when he made that turn. But on the other hand, maybe it's more appropriate that he be killing people that I actually like so that I see him as more of a villain. Because uh, right now, he is a villain. You don't like him. He's definitely uncomfortable. But he's not like – it's not the true insanity of the first one. Now, there is one other recognizable actor for me in this movie, Liam. And do you know who it was? No, I don't. Well, uh, there's a part in the movie uh, where our sex somniac ends up being brought to a, a psych ward, which it does not portray those in a very favorable light, let's say. Yes. One of the There's two attendants who actually try to take advantage of her condition. It's very unpleasant. Uh, and one of those attendants is played by Ricky Dean Logan, who uh, film fans might know from two roles, Liam. One of them is as Carlos in Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, the Nightmare on Elm Street movie, which is why I think he might be in here, because this is a sleep-oriented movie. You might remember him as the guy with the hearing condition whose head explodes in that movie, for anyone who's familiar with it. But the other role, Liam, is as one of Biff's goons in in Back to the Future 2 and 3. Uh, you might remember him from Back to the Future 2. His name is Data in that movie, where uh, he's like, he goes, hoverboards don't work on water! Um, when uh, Marty McFly gets stuck in the middle of the water on his hoverboard, Liam. I'm sorry, I tuned out. What did you say? I was giving an explanation of Ricky Dean Logan's uh, appearance in pop culture and his appearance here in the movie. Yeah, I I don't like the Back to the Future sequels, and I don't like <sighs> Freddy's Dead. Well, I mean, no one likes Freddy's Dead, really. I like the movie. <laughs> some people. Like, I mean, I on. saw I saw it in the theater, and I thought it was okay then when I was whatever that age was. You don't like the Back to the Future sequels? They're fine. <sighs> 
I just don't I don't find them that charming and rewatchable as the first one. Hey, that's fair. That's fair, Liam. But let's not poo-poo a movie or movies that a lot of people really love. I didn't say... I just... But, uh, I don't see how me <laughs> saying I don't like something is poo-pooing it. I don't like a lot of things people love. I don't like mayonnaise. Are you just going to leave it there? Well, I was going to say... Just because you're, you're a swarthy gentleman, I was gonna you say, don't like mayonnaise. I was going to say so cool. more things. I was going to say more things. And then I realized that actually comparing the Back to the Future sequels to mayonnaise is quite insulting to the Back to the Future sequels. They are pretty white movies, though. Let's face it. <laughs> That's right? Ayo. Ayo. Liam, there are two major stocked by my Dr. Freakouts in this movie. Yes. One of them uh, you've already referred to. At one point, Dr. Beck, uh, realizing that his young patient's boyfriend has shown up, he gets very frustrated, goes up to the bathroom, and starts ramming implements in the bathroom together in sexual situations until he ends up smashing a glass up there, Liam. It's crazy. It's pretty crazy. Later on, he smashes his own head against a bathroom wall uh, in order to make it look like Michelle, his first patient, has assaulted him before murdering Felissa Rose's character. That part was actually pretty uncomfortable. It was not the sort of freak out I'm used to with him, which is uncomfortable, but in still kind of a humorous way. That when he smashes his face, I was just kind of like, oh, oh, okay. It's more like kind of pathetic and sad at that point, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. even if not very sympathetic. Liam, what was the highlight of this movie for you? Oh, the bathroom scene, without a doubt. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I, I mean, there are other things, little things I kind of liked when he uh, – you know, it's a little creepy that the younger niece that her thing is like she's suggestible when she's asleep. That was yeah, absolutely. And, 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 especially and, and it when starts we find with the out... idea that she's already been abused because of it. Yeah, in fact, her boyfriend who appears later uh, and is meant to be somewhat sympathetic before being murdered, um, he throws her out of their apartment after discovering her having had sex with his roommate who took advantage of her sleeping condition. And so he's not the most sympathetic person to me. Seems like a kind of a scumbag. Right. But there's a scene where the he she basically helps him murder her boyfriend because she's so yes. suggestible. And I, th- I kind of like that, too. I thought that was pretty well done and, and enjoyed that. And um, it's just weird. The, 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 and I want to hear what you think about this, Doug. Mm-hmm. The, the fact that they both have weird sleep conditions that can re- lead to awkward sexy times right was a strange choice especially since one of them was just there for no reason like how does it serve the plot that the i mean i guess it brings him together with the niece but it just seems like an excuse to have extra uncomfortable scenes i don't know that that the the one really odd thing about it is that the doctor or dr beck in his doctor form suggests that to Michelle that her sexomnia is due to trauma that she's experienced. And she actually tells the story of, of like a like murder that she was involved in and that she she just you know, she was accused of murder of anyway, there's a whole background to her character. Um but it can't be trauma related, or at least if it's trauma related, it's quite a coincidence that her niece has a similar condition that is also trauma related. I mean it seems unlikely at the very least. Yeah, I don't think they've and, – and, and don't get me wrong. I think critiquing the Stalk by My Doctor movies for <laughs> consistency. But I, I don't need them to be consistent, but I need to understand why they made certain choices. And it really felt like they were like, yeah, one s- sexy sleep girl is good, but why don't we have two? And, and it almost feels like the ant character is not just there for that connection or for him to set her up for the murder murders later or assault or whatever it is. But – uh. 
But she's also there just to remind us that he can't possibly go for a woman closer to his age. Who, by the way, is still not his age. Still significantly younger than him. Yes, but just true. not quite young enough. Liam, I think we need to talk now about where this movie ranks in this series. And I want to hear your ranking now of the Stocked by My Doctor series 1, 2, 3, and 4. Well, let me preface this by saying that I haven't watched either of the other three since we first covered them. Sure, know? so you're going from memory here, which is fine. But based off my memory, I would put number one still as number one. And then I might say that three and four are about equal, but four might have been a little bit better than three. It's just hard because um, I don't remember a lot about three other than a few things here and there, like the La La uh, Land sequence and things like that. But right. um, but I remember being particularly frustrated with number two. But right. I wonder if the issue might be that I was frustrated with number two because of its proximity to number one. Mm. So now upon rewatch, I might find that it's still pretty good. It's just by the time I get to three, my expectations are already lowered. Whereas when I'm watching two, I'm thinking about one, which was really great. So it's, it's hard <laughs> to say. I might have to like rewatch them just to like balance it out. But at right now, you know, four, three and four are in a bit of a tug of war for the second spot. And then two is at the bottom. I, I mean, I think that's very fair. And again, I'm in the same boat as you. It's been a long time since I've revisited these films. And it's unlikely I'm going to revisit them in a block. Um, like in a row. Oh, I am. I'm going to have a watch party, baby. <laughs> Unless we're we're um, invited to some location to do a screening, uh, which, by the way, we totally do. Um, it's unlikely for that to occur. So I'm going to say, obviously, the first one is number one on the list. I, I don't think there's any question of that. I think a lot of fans of this series did not enjoy the third one, but I did, mostly because of how ridiculous it was going. So I'm actually going to put that number two. And I'm I you actually swayed me a little, Liam. You're right. I was disappointed with the second one when I saw it, but I think in retrospect, it's only because we had gotten further away from the first one. I'm going to put the second one as my number three on the list, and then this one as number four. Uh, that said, I think that fans of Lifetime movies, but even people who are not interested in that, can have a lot of fun with the series. In particular, the first one, which is really. Uh, um, it's on another level. Now that we've watched actually a lot of Lifetime movies on this uh, podcast, I can say it's on a different level than all, pretty much all the ones that we've seen. Yeah, I mean, I will say that of the Lifetime movies with Eric Roberts that we've seen, all four of these movies are better than all of them. That's very, very fair. Which does bring us, Liam, to whether Eric Roberts is actually the fucking man in this movie. How good is Eric Roberts' performance in stock by my Dr. Ford. I, I, I realize we've given short shrift to the other performers in this movie, and that's unfair because, actually, everyone's very good in this. Uh, Emily Ulrup, who plays Michelle, she's very capable, very sympathetic, and actually has a nice edge to her a little later in the movie. And I think Angelina Apple, who plays Katie, is really, really uh, good as well. But Eric Roberts is the show. If you're watching Stock by My Doctor, you want to see Eric Roberts. Liam, how is Eric Roberts in this movie? Wait, let me just interject when you're talking about performances. I think it's worth pointing out, though, that the boyfriend is bad, particularly bad. Um, and he annoyed me. Then say it. I did. I just pointed it out. But Oh, I thought you were pointing out as like a sideline, like, hey, Doug, don't forget to mention no, this. No, 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 no. I'm saying that's one thing I want to point out. If we're talking about the performances other than Eric Roberts, that he was the only person. I mean, I think there are other smaller roles that aren't great. Like, I don't know that I actually liked the two guys in the mental hospital that much. But there was such a small part that it didn't really matter. It just felt like there was a lot for the boyfriend 
Not a lot, but a significant amount for the boyfriend to do, and he just felt like he was just there. Whereas, like you said, uh, the other performances in the film are pretty pretty solid, you know. And so the, he just sort of stood out to me as like, "What's this guy doing in this movie?" You know what I mean? He's he he belongs in another lifetime movie, not in this movie. I think that's um, fair. I think in in this film. Oh, also the other personality guy is bad too. To that that's a difficult role, but I don't disagree. He does he does get to smoke a stogie though, Liam. That's true. It's true. But I have to say, Eric Roberts, I mean, let me let me start with a slightly negative of like, you know, he's getting a little bit older. And I think asking him to do any physical stuff is asking a lot at this point. It's hard for me to believe that he could overpower anyone. So I, I think we should in the future of these movies, make sure to avoid those scenarios. But his actual performance, I, I thought it was really good. I thought it was, uh, you know, not quite the level of amazing that he pulls off in the first film, but really solid. And really, he still knows his character very well. And he's really gotten to know chill, uh, whatever, very well, his chill character very well. Sure. Uh, and so I think both really represent a strong performance from him. It's, uh, I'm glad you mentioned the, the fact that, that I, I do think from watching, even though it's only been since, I think, 2015 that this series has started, he has aged visibly in that time. Um, you know, not this massive amount. I wouldn't call him decrepit or anything like that. But the age is certainly on him a little bit more. And I think you're right that a lot of the... Um, especially when it comes to the idea of fighting, which in this case is why that he isn't put in a lot of positions, I think, where he has to overpower someone. Yeah. But I think that that's well observed. Uh, I did find the first, like, 20 minutes or half hour, I felt that he was relying a little on uh, some of the things that people criticize his performances for. Very laconic, a little slurry in his speech. Um, and and I wasn't too much into it, but I do really like the performance of the laid back uh, Beck, and I do think that as the movie goes along and he gets more devious and desperate, that a little more energy comes out, and that's when I think he is at his best. So yeah, no, I think he's he's really strong here. This is a character that obviously he has a lot of fun with. Um, I I even though I would like him to be having even more fun and getting a little bit more interesting and unique things to do, he gets enough here. And when he has his moments to shine, like in those freakouts, he really rises to the occasion. Yeah. I just think they need to adapt the character. I think that, 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 um, I think that they, they want the character to not age at all. And that's not going to work because Eric Roberts is aging. And so the character would be aging as well. And so, you know, I just, you know, like I said, I felt good about his performance, but I just think into the future, part of the story should be maybe as he, as the character gets older, people are actually less intimidated by him. So it's actually easier for him to uh, trick people and get off whatever sort of murderous inclinations he might have because there are, people are not threatened by him. You know, does that make sense? You know, absolutely. I, mean? like, I do. Th- I like I do like how in the stock by my doctor universe. His name, Dr. Beck, is a known entity. Like, the police know who he is. Right. They've been looking for him. Other doctors know who he is. He even has a fantasy sequence when he first arrives at the hospital that he's been identified when he tries to take on the identity of this other doctor. Um, but it's interesting that that despite the fact that people know what he looks like and who he is, he, he really doesn't seem to be that worried about being identified. It's only when he gets caught and people are like, that was Dr. Beck. We've been looking for him forever. I, yeah, I think there's still places they could go, you know, like there are still plenty of scenarios where being an undercover illegal doctor would actually be advantageous, you know, right. so 
throw him into like a an organized crime situation or something like that where people know that he's on the run but they don't quite know what he's on the run for and so he's able to sort of blend in and still do creepy stuff and maybe you could change up his look a little bit too uh just yeah. to, to make that a little more believable liam i think stocked by my doctor five is in good hands with your idea but the question remains in stocked by my doctor part four is eric roberts the fucking man yeah definitely i think you know despite my concerns that they adapt the character to who he is i still think this is his character and i think uh yeah i think you're right like there are moments here that are uh not his strongest performance he still shows up in a way that i think is important for this role and i don't feel like he he isn't owning it it's still his his role and and he's the best person for it without eric roberts there is no stock by my doctor and i don't know if adding this third personality is supposed to um, maybe eventually phase him out, but I'm telling you, I'm not watching a stock by my doctor movie without Eric Roberts. I'm just throwing that out there into the world. Don't even think about it, Lifetime. Liam, I agree with you. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. In the final film to be covered on Eric Roberts is the fucking man, stocked by my doctor, um, a Sleepwalker's Nightmare from the year 2019. I'm glad that we landed on that he's the fucking man on the final film that we're discussing here about Eric Roberts. It makes me feel good, Liam. But that does, before we reach our final break, and before that final break leads into the announcement of what we're doing next, I want to talk about, Liam, the best and worst films, according to us, that we have covered on the Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man podcast in our 100 episodes. Now, Liam, there's an understanding here that you are not there for all 100 episodes that you uh, arrived in around the 20 episode mark. So there's a few films that I may have seen that you may not have seen. But with that in mind, I want you to tell me your three favorite, let's not say best, let's say favorite films covered on Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Oh, so I got to go first? Why don't we alternate? You go one, I'll go one, back and forth. Okay, well... um... Starting at number three. I think... uh... (laughs) Now, let me be clear for folks before I start my list. Uh, you said it, but I want to be really clear. Sure. I'm not going to put any movies on the list that I didn't get to cover. So, Pope of Greenwich Village or uh, King of the Gypsies, uh, whatever. Um, so, put that out there. I'm also not going to include, though I think it's worth honorable mention, Paul's Case. Uh, just because it's a uh, it wasn't like theatrically released. You know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so then... And, and I'm also leaving out things that uh, did not have enough Eric Roberts in them. So I think Inherent Vice or uh, uh, Cecil B. Demented are great movies. Sure. But, but I, I, I want to lift up things that he's actually very present in. So my number three, uh, it actually has to be uh, uh, It's My Party. Okay. Um, it, we had complaints about it. We had concerns about it when we when we covered it. But uh, – but I think that it's it's a movie I still mostly enjoyed, uh, and and I think it represents one of the movies on the list that he's very present in, and and um, is still something I felt very positive about watching, even as sure. I had criticisms of it. My number three movie, and I'm glad that you mentioned some of those qualifiers, Liam. Uh, and certainly, there's again tomorrow I might have a slightly different list but I do want to talk about some movies that I felt like particularly positive about so I'm going to start with my number three 
is La Cucaracha, a film that I think surprised the both of us yep. and our guest Mike White on that episode. A film that I went into, um, checked out some of the director's other films leading up to watching it, and felt like, hey, you know what, this could actually be good, and then was sort of blown away with how good it was. Uh, and even uh, nicer is that the director ended up coming on the show and talking to us about it. Uh, it ended up being, that's Jack Perez, of course. Um, it ended up being just a really positive experience all around. And one of the things that I really hoped for when I first started this podcast were a few films that would surprise me because yep. they had been a little bit uh, forgotten or underseen or undervalued. And I think that La Cucaracha is one of those for sure. Yeah, I got to go with that as my number two. Uh, and part of that I'm freely willing to admit is a surprise because, uh, you know, it's so pleasant when you don't know anything about a movie and you have to cover it and then suddenly it's like actually enjoyable and fun and crazy and whatever so uh, i was really glad that we got to see that my number two is the alternate uh maybe the movie i refer back to most that we've covered on eric roberts the fucking man a action movie with a really interesting unique and fun cast with a lot of over-the-top action sequences with a title that is completely uh, nonsensical, one that we asked Eric Roberts himself about. The alternate is a really, I think in terms of the action movies that we've covered on Eric Roberts is the fucking man, it might not be the top one in terms of quality. You can't really compare it to something like Runaway Train, but it, uh, in terms of a surprise, again, another really unexpected joy was seeing the alternate. Agree, agree. Um, but it's probably like my number four. <laughs> sure. Uh, my number uno, my number one, the 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 one <laughs> that I'm most glad to have seen and been a part of doing an episode on is stalked by my doctor. Damn son, why is that, Liam? Well, again, I I missed a lot of the quote unquote good movies, and so <laughs> when, when, when you said we're gonna do stalked by my doctor, I didn't know what that was. And it sounded dumb to me. And I thought, yeah, I hear it's campy, but like Lifetime movie campy, it's got to be terrible. And it was so good. It was such a fucking amazing thing to get to see. And uh, again, that's not to suggest that everything that isn't in my top three was bad. You know, I enjoyed the alternate. Um, sure. There's a few other things that maybe weren't great, but I still enjoyed. And and like I said, I you know, I love a bunch of movies that he only had a few seconds in that we got to cover. But uh, Stop by My Doctor is an Eric Roberts performance, and it's one that he owns uh, that, that wouldn't be what it is without him. And they're going to keep making these sequels as long as he's willing to make them because of the strength of that first one. I, I think that's a really good point. And certainly Stock by My Doctor would be on my top ten. Now, I'm sure some listeners are, are like, where are the classics? Where's your Star 80? Where's your Runaway Train? Where's your Raggedy Man? Where's your uh, King of Gypsies? Um, those are movies that are great movies. And I, I, in many ways, and in fact, in the majority of ways, I think you can make a strong case that they are better movies than anything that we're really talking about here. Uh, but th that's not why we're necessarily doing this podcast. We want to be surprised. We want that joy to come out of an unexpected place. But that said, my number one movie, my number one discovery, I guess you could call it, on doing from doing an Eric Roberts podcast is The Pope of Greenwich Village. Uh, I think it is the defining Eric Roberts' performance. It's obviously uh, what started his connection with Mickey Rourke, which helped give this podcast its name. Uh, it's an amazing 
uh, Tour de Force. Mickey Rourke, of course, is great in it, but um, Mickey Rourke at his prime, you still have Eric Roberts walking away from that with that movie handily. It's just everything I love about an Eric Roberts performance in one movie. The Pope of Greenwich Village is my number one Liam. However, it is my belief, Liam, that history is like a wheel. Inconsistency is its very essence. Rise up on its spokes, but don't complain when you're cast down into the depths. With every top Eric Roberts movie, we must also have a bottom, Liam. And we have been uh, privy to a lot of movies that I would say are not of a high quality on the Eric Roberts Is the Fucking Man podcast. So let us count down our top three least Eric Roberts movies. Let's start with you, Liam. Your number three. What are the ones that you did not enjoy the most on this show? I mean, it's worth noting that there's a lot of movies that we could put on this list. Uh-huh. And given lots of time to go back over all our episodes there's probably some i'm forgetting that i really hate it but right but right now it feels like my number three has got to be bigfoot versus db cooper um it's it's barely a movie y'all it's barely is a movie it's 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 an act of generosity to refer to it as a motion picture and uh i don't like it i don't like it one bit it is a absolutely I hate. I always hate using the word unwatchable. Right. That that's a really unfair way to describe a movie. But of all the movies that we've watched on this podcast, it's the one where I'm closest to use that word uh, because it, like you said, it barely could be defined as a movie. It it tries to trick people into watching it for reasons uh, that the movie doesn't deliver. Um, that said, as you very eloquently put on the episode properly, the, the people that this movie is for. And perhaps the fetish that it revolves around could very well enjoy it. We don't know and we can't speak to that necessarily. So we don't want to say that the movie itself is useless or has no value. It's just that what we expected out of it, it did not deliver. And it, in fact, ended up being painful to watch in a lot of ways. I mean, if it had more Bigfoot and even more D.B. Cooper, it might have been better. (laughs) Maybe a little more Eric Roberts, too. Yeah. I'm going to say my number three is... I'm going to go and say it's Paranormal Movie, the Kevin Farley uh, Paranormal Activity spoof film, uh, which I thought was just absolutely awful. Uh, It, along with After School Special, also has performances uh, from Eric Roberts that I find particularly problematic. Uh, But the thing about Bigfoot versus D.B. Cooper, and that could easily have been my number one in terms of a film I didn't enjoy the most, but the genre that I think you can go the most wrong with is comedy. A bad comedy can be intolerable, and that's why Paranormal Movie, which for me was entirely laugh-free, is my number three. Yeah, it was a torturous movie, and um, if it wasn't for the other two movies, it would be in my top three. It's probably (laughs) number four for me. But but I got to go with number two for me being a movie you've just mentioned that also fails as a comedy, After School Special. Just the worst... I it, that movie was such that I really thought that this podcast might have been a mistake. <laughs> like that was that's the level that that movie was at. As I thought, we've made a mistake. This is bad. We should do something else with our time. It, uh, it I find it pairs in my mind with the movie Chicks Dig Gay Guys. Remember that yes. movie we covered on uh, the show? Jesus, yes. Really unfunny, really problematic comedies that that think that they're the funniest thing on earth but just fail to elicit even a a chuckle uh, throughout the movie. Uh, And my number two, Liam, is a movie that I'm going to suspect 
might be coming up for you, which is the uh, werewolf movie Dark Mood Rising. Um, a shockingly terrible... Look, horror is the, uh, I think for both of us, Liam, is the genre of film where we give the most leeway in terms of quality because there's just so many ultra-low-budget, micro-budget horror movies, and sometimes, you know, they just don't fit the bill. They're trying to imitate other things. This was a werewolf movie that was trying to do a sort of Twilight thing, but uh, and I'm not knocking the Twilight films, uh, even if they're not for me. Its failure is catastrophic, and it makes the movie not only difficult to watch, but a completely baffling and unpleasant experience. Yeah, I mean, you, you nailed it, so I'm not going to put any drama on it. Dark Moon Rising is my number one. Uh, After School Special and Bigfoot vs. D.B. Cooper really, really came close to knocking it out. And if I was in a different mood, I might even put After School Special as number one just because it had the added effect of, of being offensive in a, in a particularly terrible way. But Dark Moon Rising, I mean, you, may, you made the comment about something being unwatchable when it comes to Bigfoot vs. D.B. Cooper. But I will say this about Bigfoot versus D.B. Cooper. Other than the close-ups of Bigfoot, most of the film you can actually see the movie. That's Whereas true. large parts of Dark Moon Rising are unwatchable in a purely physical sense. That you couldn't tell me that you were actually seeing something happen on screen. Uh, and and that's an issue. You know, um, I think it, it also makes Dark Moon Rising... I mean, I think part of what makes me put Dark Moon Rising number one is how fascinating its mistakes are. It, it It's yes. almost like... At being number one, I almost give it a little bit of honor in that, like, <laughs> yes, it's it's influenced by Twilight. It appears also to be influenced by anime, though what anime, I couldn't tell you. It just talks about things in a way that's very anime-esque. And why does it do that? I don't know. That's part of the mystery of it. And so it's almost like in 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 the amount to which it is upsetting and and just sort of like weird that this thing exists it also makes me kind of respect the level of terrible that it is Liam do you have any honorary mentions before I say my number one? Oh, uh, you know I gotta say I, this isn't a feature length film but uh, Cool Cat Finds a Gun certainly one of the more reprehensible films covered on this uh, show yeah it's it's real bad it's real it's real real bad um what I'm trying to think of some of the other things. I mean, there's a lot of things you did that I didn't get to see mm. um, that I think would make it on the list. I, I think you, you know, uh, what is the one you just mentioned about the um, the, the gay guys one? Oh, yeah. A, a chicks dig gay guys. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. that was a real that was a real tough. That was a real that, tough, one a tough watch. Me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Oh, there was also scavenger killers, uh, which we both really disliked i don't I, I honestly don't even remember that one you might remember it's uh cr- the creative force behind it is someone that uh we've encountered a few times since uh oh that's right. yes 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 terrible terrible movie i can't remember Lee, were you here when we covered golden shoes on the podcast? i don't think i was actually i think I. this missed... was a soccer movie that was financed by the uh father of the star of the movie and uh, I didn't put it on my like top three worst list because even though it is incredibly terrible, it is hilarious in so many different ways. The special effects in it are just mind-blowing. I feel like this is a movie that could actually find a cult in the future in, on the level of something like A Talking Cat, which also, look, I know a lot of people probably would think that we'd put A Talking Cat on the worst movies list. It's not even in the same ballpark as some of the movies that we've been talking about here. 
Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's a chunk of people who are interested in our show that are probably interested in Eric Roberts for, like, irony reasons. Sure. And, and that's not my vibe, but if that's where you're at, that's fine. I'm not going to judge you for that. But I think those of you who are irony watchers don't understand the level of bad that some of these things get to. That, yeah. like, for you, you're like, oh, yeah, I saw this you know, little scene movie and it was, you know, it was funny and what it was or whatever. And they don't quite understand that some of the, again, not everything. There are still lots of things that we watch that are like, you know, fine, but there are some things that we've had to watch for this show that are <laughs> just a, just a, 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 a feat of the human spirit that we survived watching them. You could put together a marathon of some of the most unpleasant movies you could watch. Of just movies that we've watched on this podcast, which again, I'm not making that as a criticism criticism of Eric Roberts. He just has a massive filmography, which has a lot of highs and a lot of lows. I gotta say, uh, what you know, um, uh, one that sticks out to me, and it's not the worst thing ever, but it's definitely not one I really enjoyed very much. Uh, Wolves of Wall Street. Yeah, it's pretty pretty bad. It, it, it's the movie that brought us. Uh, that was the first film that David Dakota and Eric Roberts did together and it started a long-term collaboration with not all of which we hated but uh, a few of which we've certainly talked about over the last 15 minutes or so. Liam, I'm going to say that my number one least favorite Eric Roberts movie is 2004's Miss Castaway aka Miss Castaway and the Island Girls aka I think it's also called Silly Movie 2 uh, if you want to find it on Amazon which I don't recommend directed by Brian Michael Stoller which again a filmmaker who um, as I mentioned on that episode proper, I grew up with to a certain extent, and now I live in the city where he's from. But that movie, which again, it's another spoof movie of all things, a very airplane esque spoof. I think it might be the most like even compared to something like Date Movie or the movies around that time period, it might be the worst spoof spoof movie that has ever existed. It's so unfunny. Michael Jackson is in it for some reason. Joe Millionaire, who I bet most of the people listening to this don't even know what that means when I say those words, is in it. And it it is just Austin Powers impressions, references to Lord of the Rings. It is a horrible, horrible, unpleasant movie. Um, and also, we had to record that episode twice because I screwed up the recording of it. it, it I have a lot of negative memories connected with it. Uh, which thankfully has been tempered by the fact that Mike Sullivan, our guest, is someone that I, I really like. But uh, And, of course, I really like you, Liam. So it's only those two things that stop me from saying that Miss Castaway is the worst movie ever made. Uh, but certainly for this show, it's the one that I connect as the worst movie we've covered. I, I'm glad I missed out on that one. I'll just say that. <laughs> There's still time, Liam. <laughs> Liam, now that we've had that emotional experience of ranking our favorite and least favorite Eric Roberts movies, it's time for us... To take our final break. When we return, we're going to announce what's coming next for your beloved host of the Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man podcast. And we'll have a couple of other things to say too. Join us after this.
And that was the final episode of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. I'm going to save my thank yous until the end of the show because I feel like a lot of people have been waiting to hear, Liam, what we're going to be up to next. And uh, this should probably come as a surprise to nobody. We are going to continue to collaborate. We're, of course, have already been collaborating outside of this. There's the Alpha Flight podcast, the flight stuff. Oh, my God, the what? Yeah, I know. It's a podcast about the superhero team from Marvel, the Canadian superhero team called Alpha Flight. That's something that we are working on together, Liam, but that was never meant to replace Eric Roberts as the fucking man. There's a large project that Liam and I have been putting together. It's going to change the whole way that we do podcasting. We're hoping it's going to change the whole <laughs> podcasting world. <laughs> I thought that's what you were going to say. I was like, <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Okay, let's not go too far above above our own uh, behinds. Liam, this is a new project, but we're not just launching one new podcast. We're actually launching six new podcasts, <laughs> and that that might not be all. So let me break it down, Liam, and you can correct me because, again, we've been going back and forth on this. I don't want to say anything that I'm going to contradict later, but this is an idea that's more than just an idea at this point. It's, it's physical. It's going to exist in the world, and that idea is called Cinema Smorgasbord. That is what our new podcast is going to be. It's going to be a weekly podcast, not biweekly. And within that podcast, there are going to be, from the beginning, six podcasts. And by that I mean that we are going to be switching, and not necessarily in order, between these six podcasts from week to week. They are going to be themed, fully formed podcasts, uh, but they're all going to be under the umbrella of Cinema Smorgasbord. And maybe it'll make a little more sense once we announce what those podcasts are. Now, Liam, how do you feel about what I just said? A new podcast, Cinema Smorgasbord, hosted by you and me, a huge project that is going to go well into the future, Liam. I mean, I, I'm filled with all kinds of mixed emotions. I'm so excited to cover a bunch of new, interesting things. Doing with you makes me feel kind of like filled with self hatred and doubt. Mm, mm, but, yes, of but, course. But then I think about the joy that it'll bring to the whole entire world, and that also fills me with self hatred and doubt. So it's like a weird mix of, of feelings. Now, you might think, listeners, that this next podcast or these other sub podcasts of those six, that they're going to follow along. How, uh, how Eric Roberts is the fucking man went, which is that we're going to focus on a specific actor and go through their career in a similar manner. And you're right when it comes to four of them. And then there's two that have a slightly different feel. And even of those four, they're going to take a slightly different form. And I'm going to start by telling you what each one of those are. And then I'm going to answer your question that you've been waiting there, waiting to ask about how the blood oath fits into this because longtime listeners know that uh, Liam and I made a blood oath to cover the life and work of uh, actor Eric Roberts. We tried to get actor Eric Roberts to break that oath on stage. He refused. We have not been able to break it up this point. We'll talk about that in just a minute. The first of our new podcast, Liam, is called We Do Our Own Stunts, Everything Jackie Chan. This is a Jackie Chan themed podcast, Liam, where we do a chronological look through the work, films, TV, music, and others of international martial arts superstar Jackie Chan. I mean, it's it's a lot. It's a it's a lot to take on, but obviously we've shown uh, poor decision making when it comes to that in the past. One hundred percent. And and honestly, it, this is just a, a reality of 
uh, the breadth of one man's work that that uh, this is someone who um, I, I think we both have a long history of watching and enjoying his movies and yet felt like there were still places there that maybe we weren't familiar with or we could see again or whatever. So I just think there's a lot of interesting ground to cover. So this is a Jackie Chan themed podcast. We do recognize that particularly at the moment that we're recording this, that there's a lot of controversial elements around Jackie Chan. We will certainly acknowledge those on the show. Uh, and I, I'm just to be totally honest, since uh, you, you listeners have been with us for so long, initially our follow-up podcast, Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, was going to solely be this Jackie Chan podcast. We thought we needed something that more people would be able to uh, join us on the ground floor with, uh, an actor that is more beloved kind of internationally or more well-known. Uh, and we went with Jackie Chan. And then then we started to have second thoughts about it, but we still wanted to cover this as a project. So it has become one of our six announced podcasts. Number two on that list is not one that focuses on an actor. It's called Cinema Fantastica, Genre Festivals Through Time and Space. This is a, uh, a podcast where Liam and I are going to pick a genre film festival, say uh, your Fantasia Film Festival or your Fantastic Fest or maybe um, the uh, Midnight Madness section of the Toronto International Film Festival. We are going to pick a festival in a year. Liam and I are going to take a movie from that festival from that year. We're going to talk about two of those movies and then we're going to pitch them against each other and say which one we find superior. Liam, how do you feel about that? I think uh, we both are people who wish we could go to more festivals. A hundred percent. And there's stuff that you miss every year, um, at least I do, where I, I see a trailer or I see an article or a review and I think, oh, that sounds great. I'd like to catch that. And, and you don't get to. And so I hope this is an opportunity not just for us to see a bunch of stuff we haven't gotten to see yet or maybe that we uh, feel like hasn't been talked about enough, but also an opportunity for the audience to hear about films maybe that they also missed or didn't hear about. Our number three podcast is Forgotten Gems. This is a podcast where we're going to feature, uh, potentially at least, award-winning films from around the world that uh, had gotten a lot of cachet at the time that they were released or gotten a lot of award uh, attention and then had fallen into obscurity. Liam and I are going to bring them out of obscurity. And uh, as you heard in my pronunciation of Forgotten Gems, we're going to decide, hey, are they Forgotten Gems or not? Yeah, How do you feel about that one, Liam? There's every year, I, I know at least for uh, my local fest, was uh, Philadelphia Film Fest for a long time, there'd be these films that everyone was so stoked on that, that would just go away. You just would not hear about them ever again. Uh, and I think that, you know, we're fo we tend to focus on uh, film festival level films, but there's probably other things we'll find as well. that are just these movies that seem to have all this attention in the moment, but then over time, you know they just don't seem to matter anymore and 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 that might be because they're not good or it might be because we just forgot that they existed so we're gonna we're gonna go through and look at a bunch of these and and, and make our own decisions and hopefully encourage you to check them out as well beloved character actor dick miller he passed away at the beginning of this year 2019 and he left a lasting legacy of more than 180 film appearances on our podcast our number four podcast you don't know dick dick miller and his movies we are going to go through, non-chronologically, the career of Dick Miller. Uh, we'll likely be joined by guests. Um, and we're going to investigate his career through his Roger Corman movies, through his appearances, small appearances in other films, Hollywood films sometimes. We're going to take a look at the life and career of Dick Miller. Thoughts on that, Liam? Well, I just think Dick Miller's career is interesting enough that he could have rivaled, I mean, not quite at the numerical level, but certainly at the interesting level, uh, Eric Roberts, who we just did a whole podcast about. So, <laughs> uh, Liam, our next podcast is called Whatever Happened 
to Vic Diaz. Uh, Vic Diaz was a character actor who appeared in Filipino films, mostly in the late 60s and throughout the 1970s, before vanishing from cinema in 2001. Uh, in this series, we're going to look back at his legacy while also trying to figure out what happened to Vic Diaz. Now, Liam, this was an idea that you brought to me. Tell me a little bit more about why people should be interested in Vic Diaz. Well, I, you know, it, there's that whole period of time covered in uh, that Machete Maidens Unleashed uh, documentary, but uh, there's a period of time where a lot of exploitation films were filmed in the Philippines, and uh, as someone who's interested in exploitation films, I've managed to catch a number of those movies, and a chunk of them star Vic Diaz, and, and in fact, uh, I will say star, where feature Vic Diaz, uh, and in fact, almost as many as feature Sid Haig, and I just started to wonder, like, why is Sid Haig uh, a name that has r- rang out through the ages, but not so much Vic, whose performances are often over the top and, and maybe a little um, silly even, uh, they're still memorable, and, and, and I just found myself wondering um, who this person was that I kept seeing in these films, so this is an opportunity for us to explore not just his most well-known films, but also maybe some of the ones that uh, we can find that mm-hmm. are lesser known, uh, and if we can end up finding something that he was in that is really great that people aren't talking about as much, that would just be an added bonus. It's also uh, an era of film, and particularly a location where films were made, that I don't have as strong a familiarity with, so I'm really excited with familiarizing myself with some of these films. I've certainly seen Machete Maidens Unleashed, that documentary, but it's something that uh, has always been a bit of a blind spot, so I'm really excited to check this out. Our sixth podcast, Liam, is called... How do you do, fellow kids? The films of Steve Buscemi. Yeah, we are going to watch every film that features Steve Buscemi on this podcast, Liam. Uh, listeners, you cannot stop us. Just like we did Eric Roberts is the fucking man, we are doing Hello, Fellow Kids, the films of Steve Buscemi. Number six on our six new podcasts being launched in the very near future, Liam. But guess what? I fooled you. I tricked you. We're not just going to stop at six. We got more. Listeners, we've got more because we needed a workaround on this whole blood oath rigmarole that we keep talking about here. Also included in Cinema Smorgasbord is Eric Roberts is the fucking man redux. Yeah, this is number 100. This is the final episode of Eric Roberts is the fucking man, but we ain't done with Eric Roberts. Our blood oath will continue. The Beloved Podcast, Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, will return as a series of specials maintaining our blood oath, and we will continue to watch the life and work of actor Eric Roberts. And Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man Redux, the number seven of our new podcasts, Liam. Except that one, I guess, is kind of this podcast (laughs) in a new form uh, coming to your uh, podcast delivery device in the very near future. Guess what? That's not all either. We're still going to allow the possibility of one-off specials for new podcasts to be launched under the Cinema Smorgasbord label. Every week, you're going to have a category. You're going to have a theme. You're going to have one of these to uh, to be delivered to you. If you have a favorite, you let us know. Maybe we'll be focusing a little heavier on that. But we're going to be uh, focusing strongly on the seven that we've already announced. But uh, if there's something that catches our ear, catches our eye, we can take uh, some time out to deliver uh, an episode specifically about that as well. But as of right now, we're doing seven projects together, Liam. How excited are you about that? Again, it's a real mixed bag, Duck. You know? What? Well, all the ideas are very good, but then I got to share them with you, and that's very bad. So, you know, I, I think it'll work out. I might have to murder you at some point, but, you know, these are the costs of making great art. 
One of the things that we decided upon, and maybe Liam, you might feel differently on that, was, look, people love Eric Roberts. People came to us because they love Eric Roberts. But one of the other things that people seemed to like was the fact that you and I have a certain chemistry together, Liam. And that is what I thought was most important to bring along to whatever we did next. So if you like this chemistry, hey, maybe all of those different ideas might not appeal to you, but I hope you'll come along with us and experience these new ideas together. Uh, like I said, every week we'll be coming to you with a new podcast, with one of these themes. I really hope you'll join us. I really hope you'll be excited about it. There'll be a lot more information coming through our different uh, social media sources, including the Eric Roberts is the fucking man sources, where we're going to be doing a lot of announcements over the next few weeks, uh, including when this whole thing is going to launch. But yeah, Cinema Smorgasbord coming soon, Liam. You better get ready. It's going to change everything. <laughs> I mean, I think that's very fair. I, I, uh, I like the idea that we are going to be able to uh, offer one place that has a lot of different themes and that we're not limited uh, by focusing only on one thing. Because as we sort of cycled through ideas, it just became very clear that um, that there was no one thing that could hold all of our different interests. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this will give us a chance to 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 explore a lot of different places and and get to talk about a lot of different things with it, even within those categories. A hundred percent, and it is a case where uh, Liam just wants to spend all his time with me. So uh, let's uh, he. I mean, frankly, I was completely hands off. He just came up with this idea. It's like Doug, we need to podcast all day, all the time. I just need to do it. I'm sorry. What did you say, Liam? Before we finish up on our final episode of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. I just want to thank uh, everyone who has guested on the Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man podcast since we first debuted. Uh, Liam, you might not remember this because you weren't here at the beginning, but this podcast started on May 18th, 2015. Um, So I want to thank everyone who's ever been involved with the show since then. That includes my first co-host, Todd Rigney, uh, my current and now uh, future co-host, Liam O'Donnell, as well as Eric and Eliza Roberts, who have helped promote us. And of course, Eric sat down with us on stage in Chicago in what I think most people would consider the highlight of this entire experience. It's something we still really appreciate, and I'm sure we both all think about um, a lot when it comes to thinking back over these 100 episodes. Uh, if you want to find out more about Eric Roberts is the fucking man or its previous 100 episodes, you can do that over at ericrobertsistheman.com or on Twitter at E-R-I-T-F-M or do a search for Eric Roberts is the man on Facebook. Liam, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, I mean, I'd love for them to focus on cinepunks.com or uh, any of the number of cinepunks uh, social media accounts. But if you really want to find me on Twitter, I'm at Liam Rules. That's R-U-L-Z. R-U-L-Z uh, is how that's spelled, Liam. That's what I said. All right. You can, of course, find me on Twitter at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. And soon you'll be able to find our new podcast and we'll have all our announcements on that social media. But for now, it's goodbye, everyone. But just for now. We'll be back very soon. Until then, Eric Roberts is the fucking man forever. Good night. Night. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. If there's anything that you can do, Eric Roberts fucking can.